Well, good evening and welcome. Thank you all for joining us tonight for our Carols by Candlelight service. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Thank you to those who have decorated the, the church for tonight and done everything to get ready for tonight's service. If you're here, you're very welcome to join us for mince, mince pies and mulled wine through in the main hall. If not, I'm sure you'll enjoy your own refreshments after the service. Our call to worship is taken from Psalm 50. We hear God's call. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Let's stand and sing together our opening carol, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Amen. Do please be seated. Can I lead you in prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we gather in your presence and we praise you for your glory. And we ask that you might open our hearts to experience you in a new and living way this Christmas tide. That our hearts would ponder the deep truth that your Son brings freedom, joy, and peace. Thank you for welcoming us into your family. Thank you for making us part of your story. Lord Jesus, we welcome you in your coming to earth and your coming to our hearts and our lives. May our hearts, like Mary's, be open to receive you. And may we, in your power and in your grace, go forth from this place, sharing with others your love, your forgiveness, your power, your life. You have a heart and a passion for us and for the world. Instill that same heart and passion for your kingdom and others within us, we pray. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.
spoke in a vision. To your faithful people you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have raised up a young man from among the people. I have found David my servant. With my sacred oil I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. The enemy will not get the better of him. The wicked will not oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Saviour. And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne, as long as the heavens endure. So we begin by thinking about verses from the Psalms and from the prophets that look forward to the coming of Jesus. And we share in something of that sense of expectation as we sing together, Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus.
Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will restore the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. is God's vision and purpose for the world. So can I lead you in prayer? There's a response. When I say for those who sit in darkness, can I invite you to respond by saying, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who sit in darkness, Lord, hear our prayer. Father, we remember that you are God. You sent your son at Christmas to restore and ransom us. So we bring our prayers and the concerns of our hearts to you. Our prayers for those around us, those we love and care for, those we hear of first or second hand, those whose situations cause us pain, anguish and distress. We pray for those who are uncertain of themselves, of their worth and value, their direction in life and purpose. For those who feel they have nothing to offer to anyone. And we pray for those who feel overwhelmed by all that is going on around them and find it hard to realise the joy we have in you. For those who sit in darkness, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are frightened of the weeks to come because of the debt that burdens them those who have no or not enough work or insufficient income, for those who have to choose between eating or hitting, for those upset that they can't give the gifts they want to those they love and care for, for those who sit in darkness, Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are laid low with physical or mental illness and can see no prospect of improvement or a path to better health. For those who await anxiously tests, operations, fearful of the outcome and their future prospects. For those who are dying and who know that death is near. May they know care, love and support and may they feel enveloped in a peace that is beyond understanding. For those who sit in darkness, Lord, hear our prayer. For those countries embroiled in war and violence. For those for whom Christmas will come and go with, with violence and injury and death 
all around them. Those who've lost their home, who have no safety or security. We pray especially for all those caught up in the catastrophic conflict in Gaza. We remember too Ukraine and the violence meted out by the Russian regime. There are so many other war-torn countries that do not make it into our headlines. For those who sit in darkness, Lord, hear our prayer. For the leaders of the nations who met at the COP28 climate change conference, may they act on the agreements they made. And may they and we, the world in all its fullness, engage with the reality of global warming and the danger to life it brings. And we pray for those whose lives livelihood have already been decimated by the effects of climate change. Those for whom these decisions will have come far too late. For those who sit in darkness, Lord, hear our prayer. Remember too all those who are re-experiencing pain and anguish as a result of the COVID inquiry. The questions, answers and confusions. For those who have tried to move on in life post-COVID after illness and the death of family and friends but who struggle to do so. For all those involved in decision-making and caring and now in investigating and probing and planning for contingencies in the future, may there be wisdom, transparency, honesty, care and concern for all those affected. For those who sit in darkness, Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray too for all those we will meet and share with in this coming week that they may see through us the light of Christ. May they encounter your love and presence in us and through us. May they see that you make a difference in our lives and experience and be encouraged to see what a difference you could make to them. May the love of Jesus and the joy and the hope and the peace and the light and the life he brings be shared amongst us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I invite you to join with me in saying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We're going to take up an offering. Oh, no, in a moment we'll take up offering. First we're going to sing Away in a Manger. So can I invite you to stand and we'll sing together Away in a Manger.
and looks out of the windows which hope has opened. So said Charles Spurgeon. And the difference that faith and hope can make in the lives of children and young people is part of the inspiration behind Spurgeon's, the charity we invite you to support in our offering tonight. Spurgeon's operate children's centres, family hubs, counselling services and prison outreach projects. They support family life, children with additional needs and those who have issues with mental health or are affected by domestic abuse. They work across England in 22 different local authority areas. And last year they worked intensively with over 9,000 families, adults and children, to help them overcome the challenges they faced. And less intensively they provided additional support for 20,000 families more. Spurgeon's charity incorporates vegans and the work they've been doing providing counselling for children in our local schools over recent years. Charles Spurgeon and others founded the Stockwell Orphanage for Fatherless Boys in 1867, thanks to a large donation from an Anglican, Anne Hilliard. She insisted he was the right person to carry out this mission, and he was reluctant at first, but after much soul-searching and prayer, he came to love this work and understood it as part of his Christian calling. The organisation still bears their founder's name and continues to share his commitment to bring hope and change through the good news of Jesus Christ. The charity's ethos, values and behaviours all derive from this Christian foundation. So can I invite you to support Spurgeon's as we take up our offering? As you do so, can I invite you as well to reflect on this image of the Nativity of the Virgin? It's a painted carving from Linewood dating back from Germany in the 15th century. Consider what does this convey to you of Mary's experience of caring for her newborn baby? And allow that just to inform your thinking and your prayers as we bring our offerings tonight. Thank you. Well, we recognise that parenthood brings immense challenges. Love can be exhausting. And we recognise the huge pressures on parents and children and young people in today's society. Thank you for the work of Spurgeon's. May it bring hope, peace, resilience, grace, new life to families, children and young people. And may these gifts be used to bring your kingdom near. In Jesus' name. So can I invite you to stand and we'll sing together of the Father's love begotten.
God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in his last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Well, we're going to sing again about the Huron Carol, also known as Twas in the Moon of Wintertime. Considered to be the first Canadian carol, it was originally taken from the Huron language and set to the melody of a 16th century French carol. And it tells the story of a nativity using symbols and figures readily understood by the Huron Indians. God as the great spirit, the wise men as chiefs bringing their gifts. You'll hear us sing about Gitche Manitou, the eloquent term for the great spirit. The carol was passed down orally until 1649, uh, when the composer Father Brebeuf was, was tortured to death and the Hurons were driven from their home. But a century later, Father de Villeneuve committed the song to paper, and then a notary, Paul Picard, translated it into French. And then the Canadian poet Jesse Edgar Middleton wrote an English version, more to fit the music than to translate it accurately, it has to be said. But that's the version that we will sing now. Why do we sing it? Jesus came to the whole world, to people of very different cultures to us. As we listen to how the story of Jesus was communicated to the Huron Indians, remember that whatever your culture, whatever your background, religious or not, Jesus was born for you.
the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. We sing together, the angel Gabriel from heaven came to you.
ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered all those who are proud in their inner thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Chosen is one of those wonderful words like a cabin trunk full of warm, soft blankets. If only. But still I remember all those long winter afternoons standing frozen on the sports field knowing that they wouldn't ever choose me. I remember not being able to help overhearing the, the flurry of plans for another party I wasn't invited to. I remember labouring into the night on the poem that never quite made it into the school magazine. I remember so well the desolation of not being chosen. And it only gets worse. Entry to adult life, it seems. Needs maths at GCSE. Fashions I can't afford. And I still haven't sorted out Spotify. At work, it's all about higher targets, continuous improvement, and yet more training. Everything, Lord, conspires to make me feel inadequate. I'm exhausted, running to stay in the same place. Anonymous. No one sees, or knows, or cares. Chosen. It would be so wonderful, like a big brown teapot and a circle of chairs by the fire. 
I can cope with not being chosen for bake-off or mastermind. After all, I'm, I'm not alone in not having the most impressive Vicky sponge or brain. But I think I do begin to understand how some will volunteer to be insulted on the weakest link or even worse, rejected as a human being on Love Island, or I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. At least they have been chosen for that doubtful honour. Chosen. It would be so wonderful, the arm around my shoulder drawing me in. I am the child, and I am always the child saying, tell me I belong, tell me I'm okay. God, are you really my father? And God says to me, as he said to them, sure, you are my beloved child. I am well pleased with you. And through his angel, greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. Chosen by God. It sets my head spinning. It's all embracing, all consuming, and forever a, a terrible, wonderful thing, stronger than life or love or death. But that was just the beginning for them. Mary didn't have long to enjoy that favoured feeling. She basked in the cosy glow of being chosen by God, nor did her son. Down came the Spirit and took them to task, planting seeds of salvation, bringing good news, comfort and healing. First day at work on their life's mission. Thank him then, yes, with all my heart, but ask too, why am I chosen? Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon me? The reason, when and if I know it, will surely leave no room for vanity. It will be exhilarating, yes, but also humbling to see that as I put my faith in him, so he, in a sense, puts his faith in me, that I will make way and let him grow in me, a tree bearing in season the fruit of his spirit and his grace. For he is Alpha and Omega. In him are all beginnings and endings. And if ever I am tempted to think that I have chosen him, let me remember quickly that his love was first at work, always first, to wake me, call me to his side, ground me in love like a child, then send me out as a grown or growing person, blessed as Mary in the power of his spirit, to live and work for his praise and glory. For the spirit is given for one reason, and one reason only, to magnify the Lord and lead me to rejoice in God my Saviour. This then is the comfort I sought and more.
This is what it means to belong and more. This is the sureness of why I am here. This is to know who I am. This is to know I am chosen by God. Thanks in Royal David City.
When Elizabeth greeted Mary, she pronounced a series of blessings upon her, the last of which was, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord said to her would be accomplished. Luke portrays Mary as an example of faith, someone who believes God's word to her. But Mary's faith goes way beyond an intellectual assent to what she's heard. Hers is the response of the heart as well as of the head. She says to the angel, May it be to me as you have said. That's an acceptance of the promise. But first she says, I'm the Lord's servant. And that's not a statement of faith. That's an expression of commitment. And sometimes I wonder whether we can understand what the Christian faith entails. All, suppose, all too easily, we suppose it's about being able to recite the words of the creed and mean what we say, or to give intellectual assent to what we read in the Bible. Some bits are easier to believe than others. Some of us might struggle with the story of the virgin birth. And actually we see that Mary struggled with that as well. She was personally involved in the whole process. How is this going to happen if I haven't slept with a man, she asks. And would she have understood what the angels have said? The power of the Holy Spirit will come close to you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. I suspect she was still left with far more questions than answers. But her response was not, okay, God, I believe that this miracle is within your power. Her response was to say, I am the Lord's servant. And that's not a matter of intellectual assent. It's far more a readiness to trust God for what is to come, even for the unknown, even for the incomprehensible, to put her life, her future, into God's hands. And that's where her faith glides over into faithfulness. Not so much perhaps about having faith in God, but more about keeping faith with God. A readiness to stay true to God, whatever comes, and his claim upon our lives. And that quality of faithfulness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's when we say to somebody else, I'm going to stay with you, I'm going to be there for you. And as we will hear in a few moments' time, it was a quality that Joseph showed to Mary when he found out that she was, she was pregnant and the child wasn't his. His first thought was to call off the wedding, but the angel persuaded him to think again, and so he stayed faithful to Mary, even though he must have realised that that decision to stick by her would mean that most people would think of him as dishonest or stupid or both. But Joseph stayed faithful to Mary, and Mary stayed faithful to God. And we know how the story pans out, because God was faithful to them. God is looking for people who will keep faith with him and with each other. People who will stay true to him and to each other. The website Love Worth Finding puts it this way, faithfulness means steadfast loyalty that isn't easily swayed. Our faithfulness to God means trusting in him and loving him through all circumstances. It means following his commandments, even when we'd rather choose a different path. And our faithfulness to our loved ones means loving them even when it's difficult. Caring for them even when they're ungracious or unkind. It means thinking well of them instead of assuming the worst of their intentions. It means offering godly counsel and building them up when they feel weak. God's faithful. And when we display that quality of faithfulness, we live out in practice something of what it means for us to be made in his image. 
when Mary was met by the angel, her response was to say, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She was faithful. And in the culture marked by half-truths and compromise, God is looking for people like Mary who will step up and be faithful. And when he calls you, how will you respond? Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she, found to, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What's it mean for Jesus to be Emmanuel in a world marked and marred by so much evil and suffering? How do we make sense of it all? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that evil must remain completely incomprehensible. Every attempt to make it understandable merely takes the form of an accusation that the creature hurls against the creator. Neither does God resolve evil through explanation, but instead comes to suffer the worst that evil could do to him. God doesn't answer our questions with words. He comes as the word made flesh to suffer with us and for us, to love us and redeem us, to die for us and rise again as the first installment of God's new creation. When God entered this world as the baby in Bethlehem, that was the first step on a path that would lead him all the way to Calvary, the place where Jesus would take upon himself the evil, the pain, the suffering and guilt of this world, and there die on the cross to save his people from their sins. I'm going to listen to two poems, one from the perspective of Joseph, the other from the perspective of Mary, that look beyond Bethlehem towards what would happen at Calvary. I wish I could do more. This straw is not good enough for you. Back in Nazareth, I'll make a proper bed for you of seasoned wood, smooth, strong, well pegged. A bed fit for a carpenter's son. Just wait till we get back to Nazareth. I'll teach you everything I know. You'll learn to use the cedar wood, eucalyptus, and fir. You'll learn to use the draw shave, axe, and saw. Your arms will grow strong, your hands rough like these. You will bear the pungent smell of new wood and wear shavings and sawdust in your hair. You'll be a man whose life centers on hammer and nails and wood. But for now, sleep, little Jesus, sleep. together silent night.
Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. At the Manger, Mary Sings by W. H. Auden. Oh, shut your bright eyes that mine must endanger with their watchfulness. Protected by its shade, escape from my care. <coughs> what can you discover from my tender look that now to be afraid? Love can but confirm the more it will deny. Close your bright eye. <coughs> Sleep. What have you learned from the womb that bore you but an anxiety your father cannot feel? Sleep. What will the flesh that I gave be to you, or my mother love, that tempts you from his will? Why was I chosen to teach his son to weep? Little one, sleep. Dream. In human dreams, earth ascends to heaven where no one need pray nor ever feel alone. In your first few hours of life here, oh, have you chosen already what death must be your own? How soon will you start in the sorrowful way? Dream while you may.
draw to a close with the angel appearing to shepherds to tell them of the birth of Jesus. In the middle of the night, they were the only ones up and doing. They were the first to hear the good news that a Saviour had been born for them, Christ the Lord. And as we hear the angels speaking to the shepherds, we hear God speaking to us. To you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, <coughs> the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And our closing cowardice while shepherds watched their flocks by night.
And O Lord our God, like the shepherds, make us watchful and keep us faithful as we look forward to and await the coming again of your Son, our Lord, that when he shall appear he may not find us sleeping in sin, but active in his service and joyful in his praise for the glory of your holy name.